It's the Sagabit Swingin' Report Show. Get ready as we celebrate the year of the Sega console. Episode 70 of the Sagavit Swingin' Report Show. I'm Barry. With me is George. Hello. And we also have two very special guests from the Dreamcast Junkyard. We have Tom. Hello. Who also does work for Retro Collect, and he is apparently an Atari Jaguar fan. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, We also have uh, Aaron, also known as the Gaga Man, and he is an animator. He also does work for the Lucky Hit. Uh, YouTube channel and podcast, and he does many other things, including Sega Memories, which is now a uh, Tumblr. So, hello, uh, hello Aaron. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> so this is, I think, our biggest uh, ratio of um, Americans to uh, non-Americans. So I don't like it at all. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't it like fifty-fifty, or is it seventy-five, twenty-five? <laughs> I don't know. What? Why is there one of us who's uh, like? Uh, undercover here is this like the is this the war all over again we have some british undercover agents <laughs> uh, prove it <laughs> spell color c-o-l-o-u-r good all right that's wrong <laughs> so wrong you stick use on everything pronounce, pronounce aluminium oh what is that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone can pass aluminum. Uh, so we're here to discuss the uh, the Sega Dreamcast, specifically from the UK perspective. Um, I know George and myself, we grew up with the uh, the uh, fast pace, it's thinking, secret agent, Asian woman, stealing the, secrets, uh, 9999. The, exper- um, the oh, yeah. superior experience, they call it. Yeah, exactly. Well... <laughs> That's what we're going to figure out here. The question I wanted to throw out to you guys, what are what are your UK Dreamcast launch memories? Was there really a, a cohesive campaign that uh, got the the blood pumping when you heard about the Dreamcast? Um, I guess I'll throw it out to either one of you. Yeah, um, yeah. for me, the, the, the main memory that sticks in my mind is the fact that it was delayed over and over again. I don't know if that if that's the same for you, Aaron, but um, um, the Dreamcast was... It was that, to be honest. Well, I mean, it was meant to launch on the 23rd of September, 99. Oh, and okay. then, it, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then there was a, a delay. It was really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, it, like I say, it was meant to launch on the 23rd of September, 99. And oh, then yeah. uh, like, literally days before the launch was meant to happen, um, Sega announced that it was being pushed back again. And the reason that they gave for the delay was that the, uh, the network infrastructure for the internet capabilities of the system weren't ready. Um, and I'm not sure how much truth there was in that, but that's the official standpoint. Mm. Um, so certainly for myself, it was the constant delays of waiting and waiting and waiting and then being told suddenly, no, we've got to wait another three weeks now. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, wasn't it like sort of the tail end of October we ended up getting it? I think it was like the 27th or something like that. I, yeah, it was the 14th. The 14th of oh, October. 14th. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, so it wasn't a memorable launch date, I'm guessing. 
Not really. I mean, with 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 the like you say, with the US launch, um, the nine nine ninety nine thing was quite sort of uh, well sort of played within the advertising campaign. Whereas in the UK, th there was nothing like that. It was all it was already going to be after that. Mm. So yeah, it, it just sort of, yeah, it was just in shops, and it just kind of happened. And there was a couple of little news reports on telly about it, and that was about it, from what I remember. Yeah, I'm totally. It, but the shops just been flooded with like drink ass boxes everywhere. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was um, there was quite a big um, launch party in London for mm. the for the Dreamcast, and they invited a load of like B list celebrities. Like, uh, they, I think they had um, the guy who played Mini Me in Austin Powers. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Photo. Yeah. And um, they had the boxer Chris Eubank um, oh. as a special guest. Um, but I mean, that's all it was. There was yeah. that London-centric event, and then nothing else really for the rest of the country. So, yeah. <laughs> I think for me, um, I was I was only about I guess about thirteen at the time, I suppose. And for me, the hype really came from pretty much as soon as they announced the Dreamcast in the Sega Saturn magazine in '98. Yeah, mm -hmm. when they first very first revealed it in the official Saturn magazine, which I still think was probably the best like sega magazine ever made that one in particular they just had some really good writers on that one and um yeah they pretty much hyped up the dreamcast and sonic adventure when it first got announced back in 98 so i was hyped for it a year before it even came out and yeah. um i actually got to play a dreamcast in the uk about six months before it came out because uh, a local cinema to mine at, at a local cinema had um a Dreamcast pod with, I presume, a Japanese machine in it, and it had, like, a demo of Sonic Adventure with four levels on it. <laughs> so me and a mate just kept going up there every weekend to play it for as long as it was there for. <laughs> so I actually got to know, like, these four levels in Sonic Adventure inside out before it actually came out. <laughs> it was pretty cool. When, when did you guys actually buy your Dreamcast? Either of you get launch models? Yeah, um, I mean, at the time the Dreamcast actually launched, um, I had a Nintendo 64. And I was desperately trying to sell it because I couldn't afford to just go and buy one. So yeah. I had to wait a couple of weeks to sell the 64. And then with the money from that, went and bought a Dreamcast, which would have been around November time at 99. Uh, that was, yeah, that would have been my first one, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I got my, because my birthday's at the end of November, so I ended up getting one then. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was only about a month wait, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> day, uh, day after mine, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> birthday buddies <laughs> is about <laughs> and what were your first games uh, mine was um, Speed Devils oh wow yeah Speed Devils I mean I bought that before I even got the Dreamcast console I went to the oh, shop right. and they, they had like three Dreamcast games on the shelf oh, and right. I, had, I had the money for a game but no console so I was like hmm which one should I get which one's going to last me the longest because uh, <laughs> I knew I won't be able to afford another one for a while afterwards so I thought right Speed Devils looks like it's got a good career mode in it I'll get that so, yeah so that was my uh, my first yeah. first game so was that one online I can't remember no um, there was a, there was a, yeah there was a later version called Speed Devils Online that's right it yeah. was the same game just with added uh, online. I think they cut a load of stuff out of that version as well. Like some of the single player stuff was chopped out. To... It was, yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know if that was Europe only or if they had that in America as well. I'm not really sure. Like the online version. Was it a good game? I don't. I don't think I've ever played it. It was it's all not right. Good. It's okay. Yeah. I thought it was quite good. 
Like it did come out in America. Like, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like the best thing in the world, but like I, I, I did like some of like the customization and sort of the upgrading system in that. Yeah. Oh, it, it kept it going for a while, I think, even all the actual driving wasn't on par with like some of the other Dreamcast racing games. Like some of the little extras to it made it like the betting system. I remember there was some kind of betting system in that. It was pretty cool. I was just about to say that. Yeah, you could kind of place wages on where you would place in a race mm. um, and depending on how well you did and how accurate your bets were, then you got sort yeah. of recompense in in-game cash to like buy upgrades, etc. Uh, yeah, it had some quite good, um, some quite good tracks as well. You know, quite inventive. Like one track, you would race through Hollywood Studios. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Like a, a T Rex had come through a wall, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> that King King Kong was like taking over um, a studio or something. It was it was quite fun. Oh, yes, nice. nice. Uh, any um, any TV or magazine ads like stand out to you guys during the launch of the Dreamcast? I actually thought the UK adverts weren't particularly great. I mean, there was like them ones that had like um, Robbie Williams staring <laughs> over them and just like guys shaving or something, like hairdressers or something. I didn't think they were particularly good. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the, the one I think the one you're you're referring to was where they didn't they have like prisoners prisoners or something coming into like a, a yeah. barber shop and then it would be like player one player two and then they'd all go yeah. for it and they'd shave heads and then it'd say like player two wins or something yeah um, i could see what they were going for but like they could have showed something they could have showed the system they could have showed some footage of anything but they didn't they just went dreamcast and then it was like what is it and then they had that slogan up to six uh, billion players which actually got um slagged off on this program we have in the uk called watchdogs a watchdog, which is basically a program about like rip off Britain, like things that are like you know like products that have gone wrong and stuff. And they were basically saying that it was false advertising because it was saying up to six billion players, even though there was no online games yet. Yeah, yeah, it's true that because um, I mean they were massively uh, marketing the online functionality and the multiplayer aspects of the Dreamcast, mm. but at the time <laughs> the Dreamcast wasn't even available. You couldn't even go online with it because the infrastructure wasn't in place yet. So it was mm. like a massive massive um like blew up into the space basically yeah i mean when um i did get my uh dreamcast like the month later it was already online by the time mm. i got it but yeah it must have been that first month it was a yeah. bit dodgy. so i mean not to get into the saturn too much was there a big transition in terms of the the way the uh i guess the marketing spoke to you or was was the saturn uk saturn uh advertisements were those kind of forgettable as well um, as far as I remember, I don't actually recall any Sega adverts when I had one. <laughs> I remember a couple, not many. They were very scattered about. I remember when I remember one time I saw a Sonic R advert on the telly and got all, all giddy and was like, "Oh my god, they're actually advertising <laughs> the Saturn game!" And I think that was about it. <laughs> I think that was the one time I saw a commercial. Anything before that was probably back when it was launching, and I was probably too young to notice that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, me and Barry are big, you know. Water long before '98 here. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, yeah. say uh, me and Barry are uh, big fans of the U.S. Dreamcast magazine, and we we're wondering how the U.K. Uh, Dreamcast magazine was attitude-wise. All oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, in the U.K. 
UK, we had the we had quite a few different magazines. There was the official Dreamcast magazine, and then there were a couple of third party ones. Um, there was one called Dreamcast magazine, one called Dreamcast monthly. Um, can you remember any others, Aaron? Uh, there was another one called DC UK, which was going for quite a while. I think yeah. the longest running one was the unofficial Dreamcast, the one just called Dreamcast magazine. That was going yeah. long. Yeah. I think that went in straight into 2002, I think, actually. It went yeah, I think you're right. So they mm-hmm. stopped making games. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I used to buy a selection of all of them, you know, over the over the months. And, um, I still remember they tried to do a kids' Dreamcast magazine at some point, but I think there was only two uh, issues called uh, Mr. Dreamcast. I remember it That one's quite memorable because uh, my girlfriend actually won a contest in the first issue of that to get the Sonic Adventure uh, action figures. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I believe it was a magazine anyway. <laughs> so you guys had a lot of magazines. Was the did any of the unofficial ones outdo the official one or not at all? Oh, uh, I think I personally preferred the uh, unoffic the, the main unofficial one, which was just called mm. Dreamcast Magazine. Yeah, so it had a much more adult tone. Uh, sorry, not adult tone. It was more. It was it, it was more conversational in its, um, yeah. its style, whereas the official magazine was was really kind of straight laced and tried to appeal to a, 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 a sort of a, a mature gamer. It tried um, to be really trendy, didn't it? I remember exactly, the first that was, edition that's what had like, these weird fashion shoes or something. There was like a Sega Rally themed fashion shoe, and you're thinking, why are they even bothering with this? <laughs> and also a bit in the back that was like, oh, we're chatting about the games that came out last month in a pub or something. And exactly. Yeah. They had a, it was called the Reviews Roundup, and they they would actually that was probably my favourite section of the magazine. But like, yeah. I also thought a lot of their reviews in the official magazine were a bit too harsh. Like, a lot of the games they gave 5 out of 10, I actually really liked. Stuff like Giga Wing and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and some of the, uh, quite a lot of the 2D stuff, they just give really bad reviews, and I didn't really agree with them once I played them. Mm. That's interesting, because I'd, I'd say that the uh, the official Dreamcast magazine over here had a very indie vibe. Um, okay. And when they when they sold the concept uh, that when we had them on last year, the Simon Cox, the uh, editor in chief, he said, what, "George, do you remember? Didn't didn't uh, who they were pitching it to the president of Sega, weren't they? And he told them to fuck off, basically. Wow. Yeah, he told them to fuck wow. off or something because they wanted to like do it more. Uh, I guess independent, right? <laughs> yeah, they they didn't want it to be so corporate. They wanted it to have personality and um, emphasis on." You know, like good design, layout, and mm. I mean, you really. I actually am looking at. Uh, well, you guys were talking. I was digging out two Dreamcast magazines, the UK one, the unofficial one. Oh, okay. I, I can definitely see how it has a lot more of a um, personality to it with the mm. staff. That's and, what uh, the uh, the official Saturn magazine that was done by a different company to the Dreamcast one. That's what that was like. It was full of personality. You really like got to know like the guys that wrote it, and they're always throwing all kinds of like dumb jokes in it. And some of the uh, sections were just genius. Like uh, the letters section was called Virtue Writer, and it was actually the font from Virtue Fighter. <laughs> I always <laughs> yeah. loved that. And especially in like the later issues, like when they were mainly focusing on talking about Dreamcast, and they they really focused on like Japanese import games in the Saturn magazine right at the end, because obviously there was next to nothing coming out over here, and they were actually telling people in an official magazine to go mod your console because it was the only way to get the most out of a Saturn. I always thought that was quite, you know. I find I found that the um, the feel of the. The, the design of the official Dreamcast magazine in the UK was it was very much um, a minimalist kind of yeah. um, 
magazine. Was, and it yeah. Tried to be like you said earlier on, Aaron. It was, tr it was trying to be trendy. You know, it was a trying mm. to appeal to a more adult market. You know, uh, yeah. young, young professionals who've got money to spend on on games. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Interesting. Mm. So the, other about, the other thing about the official Dreamcast mag is you got a demo on every single issue, but the problem is they kept repeating the demo, like the games on the demos, and then they kept picking really crap games for some reason. Oh. <laughs> like, they would put stuff like Ducati World and like just random games that no one, you know, the games that they give really poor reviews, and then they're trying to sell them on the cover, and it's like, well, <laughs> well yeah, the um, the official Dreamcast magazine. They, when they started out, they were like, guys, this is a demo disc. This is going to be awesome. We're going to put VMU things on it. We're going to have, um, uh, I think they were even saying they were going to put like video content. And then pretty soon Sega was just like, no, we're going to control all the content, you guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. I can just imagine how awesome it would be if either the U.S. or U.K. were allowed to make their own discs yeah, so that you right. could have like yeah. a, a monthly video, like five minutes mm. of just saying like, Hey guys, and welcome to the official Dreamcast magazine video, you know, feature. Yeah, I've got a few um, demo discs from old uh, Amiga CD32 uh, demos, and they did that exact same. They did that exact thing. They just did like all these silly videos of them just faffing about in their office, and <laughs> it was really weird. And they would do like <laughs> video reviews in, in like this really low quality video on the CD32. Like all the even like the menus were just voiced by these guys just going. Whoa! <laughs> Welcome to the disc and all this silly. Yeah, I just thought it was really charming. <laughs> How did it go again? Sorry. Hmm? How did it go again? <laughs> oh, I can't remember exactly, but it was just, like, <laughs> silly sound effects and like, weird shit on them. Uh, yeah, if they could have done something like that on the Dreamcast, that would have been amazing. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm actually I'm paging through this uh, magazine right now. This is one of the last, or not maybe not the last one, but it's issue. 19 when sega announced that they were leaving the uh the hardware market it's, it's yeah. pretty funny going through here there and they did the same thing in the um the american one too and they would say all right guys let's get our facts straight and then you know they'll they'll be like uh i'm just i just want to read this but it's kind of funny uh true sega is to cease manufacturing on the dreamcast console in its present form as of march 2001 this is because continuous production of the machine balanced against the number of sales. Hardware is sold at a loss, with the money being made back on software sales, and it was proving too costly. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And then they said, false. Sega is not calling it a day. In fact, it has vowed to continue support of the Dreamcast with over 70 first-party titles due out between now and March 2002. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over 70 ca cancelled games <laughs> yeah. yeah another great one is they said true sega has been in talks with several other companies to incorporate dreamcast technology in its products the most uh, prominent yeah. company of note is pace microtechnology everyone loves pace microtechnology yeah. who is a key player in the manufacturing of set-top boxes so they're oh, yeah. all that stuff <laughs> yeah. interestingly that they said way. They said, false, the Xbox will not have a chip in it that allows you to play Dreamcast games. But that definitely was yeah. something that they were thinking about, yeah. I did hear a rumor about that at one point, yeah. Hmm. yeah. I would. I, I must admit, if they did go ahead and do that, that would have swayed me into an Xbox. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, too. At the end, they actually say, they're trying to make the Sega fans feel better. They say, our sources report that Sony isn't exactly doing that well either. <laughs> <laughs> apparently everyone that's buying the ps2 is only getting it for the dvd capabilities they aren't buying the software and therefore sony is losing money hand over fist oh dear what a pity never mind ha <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> remember when? No, don't you remember when PlayStation Two? They had to discontinue it as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Remember that company Sony what, last year. <laughs> yeah. Probably Man. stopped. Are they? Have they actually stopped making them? I think, <laughs> I think so. the last game that came out in the the UK for the PS2 was like. FIFA 14, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, Barry, what you were just reading there about the um, about the PS2 and people only buying it for the DVD player. Because at one point, especially in the UK, mm-hmm. Sega were bundling um, they were bundling a DVD player along with the Dreamcast. Oh yeah. People buy it, you know, rather than buying a PS2. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was roughly the same price, or maybe 50 quid more, and you yeah. Oh blimey, I completely forgot about that. It's yeah. massive box, isn't they? Yeah. 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 I wonder if you can still even find those like in boxes. <laughs> I think it was a it was a it was only a cheap DVD player. I think yeah, I remember it. it wasn't it wasn't branded or anything. It was just here's a DVD player to go with your Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a last ditch effort for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not even sure if that was Sega's like thing. I think that might have just been the Electronics Boutique may have just put that together themselves. I'm not sure, but. No, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was an official Sega. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've never seen yeah. them in a couple shops, but not like everywhere. Many bundles. <laughs> I wanted to uh, shift direction to the um, the packaging. The UK Dreamcast games mm-hmm. have very unique boxes. I wanted to know what you guys thought about those things, just um, both as uh, when you were buying them new and as collectors. Are are they a headache to replace, or um, do you do you feel special having Dreamcast branded cases? Uh, this is a this is something very close to my heart. I hate these boxes. They're <laughs> horrid, absolutely horrible. On the one hand, you've yeah. got you know the double sided. So if you've got double double disc game, you can have you know one disc in either side. But Aaron, you'll back me up on this. Those hinges, yep. those yeah. hinges break as soon as you look at them. Yeah. So you've got pretty much, I would say about ninety percent of my games have got no hitches, on, no hinges on them. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could definitely agree with... I mean, the one thing I do like about them is how nice they look. I mean, especially, I think my favourite one is uh, Crazy Taxi. Like, the yellow and the blue together. It just looks yeah. perfect. Like, the cover is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so much as, like, breathe on one of these cases and they just shatter into a million pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one I'm thing not... that... I mean, one thing I did prefer to the American sort of cases even though the american case is a really nice uh designed sort of standard cd case you had mm. to have the manual in the front of it because that was also the cover of the of the game yeah in the in the pal version you had a, a separate bit of paper which was like a genuine sort of um cover for the game yeah as opposed to being a manual as well yeah this gigantic manual with about seven thousand languages in it yeah, yeah. <laughs> which i think it's the sole reason why we got these big cases in the first place same with uh, playstation one games they've got like big chunky cases purely because of the massive manuals mm-hmm. well i've seen aaron you actually you put or maybe you used to put um games that didn't have cases in cases with other games didn't yeah you? yeah i've you kind of like undone that for the most part now because i haven't I've only got a small amount of uh, PAL games now because, to be honest, I've actually replaced most of them where I can with Japanese or American ones simply because of shelf space because these obviously take twice the space. Yeah. So, and I just really like how the uh, Japanese ones look. Yeah, I will say that the Japanese ones, I think, if we were to compare all regions, and you guys can weigh in too, I think the Japanese ones are definitely the best. 
Oh, oh yeah. definitely. I've only really, yeah. I've only recently started collecting Japanese and American games. My mm. collection up until about maybe a month and a half ago was completely PAL. Mm. Um, but um, recently I've been buying sort of Japanese games, American games, and I think the packaging is just outstanding, especially some of the SNK games, the Japanese ones. Yeah. Are really, one really well. nice, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the Capcom, yeah, Capcom games. Yeah. I'm a complete nerd with these as well. I ha- I have to try and get them with the spine cards if possible. <laughs> yeah. Like they go on the side because I've got like these sleeves that just go over the top, and then when you put the spine card on the side, it looks like a sealed game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice! I need to get So when you see them on my shelf, like on the side, they they kind of look like they're brand new in a shop. It's really really sad. <laughs> it, it was funny actually. A couple of weeks ago, I was. Um when i was just getting into collecting japanese games i asked the question on twitter what is the what is the point of a spine card and the amount of abuse that came back my way was just sort of like a tidal wave (laughs) (laughs) pointless but um like the saturn ones are really nice as well because they've got like the gold banner on the side with the logo and then apparently um pal mega cd i only found this out a while back but pal mega cd games actually have them as well really i didn't know that (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they're actually really nice and colourful and, like, line up with the artwork on the cover and everything. So I've only got one game that has one of those on the XCD. <laughs> yeah, I will say, um, I, I'm just sitting here comparing all three. Uh, one thing that always bothers me is when you, you look at the pile of games and then you look at the console, and if you put them next to each other, they just don't they don't fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the, the Genesis, at least, you know, Mega Drive, but the Genesis over here with the um, with the red strip, they look nice next to each other. The the Saturn, yeah. not so much. We have the big, ugly long boxes with white, and yet our consoles are mainly black. Yeah, um, I didn't really understand that decision. And then the humongous boxes that they come yeah. with, just as brittle as the Dreamcast Power ones, but mm-hmm. like... And then gigantic boxes for just a CD is weird. It's it's a waste of space. I mean, it was one of those things where they were fighting for space, so they figured if our product is really big, they have to carry it and they have to give yeah. us more space. The, um, the British, um, the Power Saturn games were similar, but they weren't in like weird brittle cases. But they were the same kind of height, and mm-hmm. they. The problem with them is the hinges are not that great on them. They don't break. They're actually really good. Like. At not breaking, but the problem is, is the disc can easily drop inside the case. So almost every second-hand game you see Saturn-wise now is scratched to hell because the game has dropped in the case and just wiggled about in the box at the bottom of the box and just scratched to hell. Hmm. I uh, will say a bit of a design flaw. The the I'd say the PAL games most definitely look great next to the console just because yeah, of definitely. the the Dreamcast branding that they actually have imprinted on the plastic and um mm. and well we'll get into the blue swirl too but the blue matching yeah. the blue it looks great the U yeah. the US ones they they don't take up a lot of space I I like them you know nostalgically but. Mm. You look at these, the, the original ones, the white with the sweep, they look nice, but then they switched to black because they wanted to compete with, um, I think, the PlayStation just, 2. Yeah, they look very that similar to the PlayStation games. Yeah. yeah. Like, even from the side, they they look exactly like PlayStation games. For that, you have to squint just to see the tiny little drink art logo on the side to Ex- notice the difference. <laughs> exactly. And then our budget titles. I don't know if you guys have budget titles, but ours were. Uh, we didn't, more, actually. We didn't? No, we didn't. We didn't uh, get that. Number one. Huh. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they never did any double packs, actually, considering them cases can hold two discs. They could have easily have done some kind of double pack. But, that would have been yeah. awesome. There yeah, wasn't that many. 
Barry, there wasn't that many greatest hits titles. They were like, what were they called? All stars. Yeah, um, yeah, which is kind of funny. The that big they were orange using. banners on the side, or whatever they are. Yeah, I have Virtua Tennis, uh, Sega Bass Fishing, and um, Crazy Taxi, and I think Sonic Adventure was one too. It's funny, I, I didn't actually know that that range existed until about a week ago because I got NHL 2K. Yeah, from Amazon, and uh, I opened I opened the box up and this pamphlet fell out. And it had on the back, it had the is it Sega Smash value series or something like that. I can't remember yeah. its name. All with stars. the orange Sega All Stars, yeah, with the orange banner on it. And I was yeah. like, oh, I've never, never seen that before. Hmm. Um, but one thing about the US cases I did really like it was the way that they kind of incorporated the design of the Dreamcast console into the artwork with the sort of the, the CD door and then the orange yeah, like kind of design on there as well. Hmm. Yeah, it was a cool feature. Mm hmm. But um, I'd, I'd have to say that just looking at my shelf, it just it's it looks like a zebra. It's black and white, black and white, black and white. <laughs> and there's a bunch of black ones, and I'm like, huh, I guess everything that starts with S were made later. Um, <laughs> on but, my shelf, I've got all the all my because I've got quite a few American games as well. I've actually got them all organized by alphabetical white ones and then alphabetical black ones, just so they don't end up looking like a piano. <laughs> it's really yeah, weird. I mean, but yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's the Japanese one wins for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love how sort of uniform they are as well. Yeah, like they all use that same font and and full color manuals. I quite yeah. like on the Japanese ones the way that on the one side of the case you've got English and on the other side you've got the Japanese text, so you can yeah. kind of spin around and see what the game is. <laughs> That's the problem with having them laid out with the spine card on the side because obviously the spine card's the Japanese side. <laughs> It's like, oh, they look really nice, but now I've got to figure out which one's which. <laughs> something, something, two. That's probably Segarelli. <laughs> I want to ask each of you, uh, what is your, how did you view the U.S. launch from abroad? Um, I mean, I thought it was quite, I like the, the advertising slogans, I like the It's Thinking slogan. I thought that was really, really cool. Mm. And the um, just the, the the imagery that was used that was used in the ad, the print adverts, especially with the kind of the eyes and the, and the mouths, you know, kind of yeah. screaming in agony. <laughs> that was kind of creepy. I thought it was quite impactful, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, as mentioned earlier on, with the nine nine ninety nine, um, that, was oh, that was yeah, that was quite good. I don't know about you, Aaron. What did what did you think? Uh, the, I think the first thing I ever saw of, like, the American launch was in some of the magazines, and they basically just showed some guy swimming in beans or something <laughs> for some kind of launch event. I don't know. And there was all this stuff about, like, there was, like, a tour bus. I don't know oh, if anyone... I don't remember that, no. You guys ever saw that, but they actually had some kind of, like, tour bus going around America with Dreamcasts on it, similar to the ones we had in the UK in the early 90s for the Mega Drive. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think they were they, they were doing like a traveling festival thing, and I think they yeah. were they had a bus that traveled mm. with them. Well, one thing I did love about the um, American campaign were the commercials where it goes inside the Dreamcast and it's just got the whole party of characters everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a brilliant. Like, I, I really wish they just brought those over here. <laughs> yeah. It's like Wreck It Ralph before Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. Just, every character you can think of, including characters from games that either didn't come out for years, like uh, Freegan Brothers, or yeah. characters from games that 
never came out, if I remember rightly, there might have been one or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't Knights in there? Wasn't Knights included? Um, I don't remember seeing Knights, but no, I do remember there was that one that was about, um, like, it had, like, some actual American footballer talking about what it used to be like in the good old days, and it, was, it showed footage of the Mega Drive. Uh, <laughs> games. And he had like Rayman sitting with him with like a drink at the table. <laughs> it's really weird. Was that, um, was that John Montana? Could have been. I remember. It might have been Joe Montana. Oh, yeah, that was it. I think it was, yeah. Because I'm sure they had a good relationship with him after uh, the Genesis era. Yeah. Yeah. I was I also really loved that um the online play one they did for SegaNet where they actually had um the voice actor of Seaman uh, and he was actually Seaman in a fishing bowl actually like talking through the whole advert or something. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Most that people that saw that and tell you were probably thinking, Why is there a talking fish? But <laughs> <laughs> those ads were pretty much just made for the fans really. That's true. All the references. Yeah. Um did you guys prefer the blue swirl or the red swirl? And the, I actually thought that the swirl was orange, but I guess it's red in the U.S. Uh, really? I always thought it was supposed to be orange, but maybe they misprinted it red sometimes. Fair I didn't one. really understand. Mary wrote the question as red swirl. I well, don't know. There's, there's been a lot of uh, controversy. No, actually, there hasn't. But um, <laughs> I, I see a lot of people online. They're like, well, there's orange, red, and blue. And I was like, well... The the packaging's orange, but the swirl is red. Yeah, I heard that the or something that I was led to believe was that the, the red swirl was to do with the, the Canadian launch, and that's the way you could tell if it was a Canadian or an American one. Or am I just making this up as I'm going along? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have I'll to go after this podcast. I'll, I'll take a picture of my Japanese Dreamcast and my American one side by side, and we'll we'll see if those those uh, if we're looking at an orange and a red. But I'm pretty sure it's red in America and the and Japan, and mm-hmm. the UK had the blue. Yeah, because yeah. I've got I've got an American uh, Dreamcast, so I could probably check that as well. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. going back to the original question, uh, I, mm. I think I mean. I quite like the the contrast between the blue swirl and the orange light. I mean, obviously, the if the company yeah. Tivoli in Germany hadn't existed, then I'm sure that Sega mm. would have gone with the orange swirl around the world. Yeah. Well, because obviously yeah. the company was using that. Um, they had these Dreamcast consoles, which already had the orange light installed in them, and then they thought, well, we can just change the sticker on on the console, you know, <laughs> for the uh, for the European yeah. launch. Yeah, I actually really like the blue because it's. It's pretty much Sega blue, and it's what yeah. I associate with Sega is that sort of sonic blue. So mm. I was, and especially like on the boxes, how they're that same blue as well. I always liked that actually. I thought it kind of suited it in a lot of ways. Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a friend who actually went ahead and uh, changed the LED to a blue one in his PAL console, oh, and he said cool. after he'd done that, he kind of thought that it looked better with the orange one because it gave a contrast. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the whole, um, have you ever seen that thing about uh, movie posters, how they always use blue and orange? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they complement each other, so they always use it in everything. Yeah, I guess that's that same kind of complementary, yeah. Yeah, because they're at the opposite ends of the colour spectrum kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Barry? Did you like the blue? I've I've grown to really like it. I I bought a... um, a UK controller and it was in the box and those, the box was really striking. And, uh, I remember I have, I have fond memories of the UK games too, just because 
Shenmue 2 was my the first I think it's the first game I ever bought on the internet and the first import I ever did um, mm. and I just because I w- was in uh, what was it I must have been a sophomore and I was at a new school I didn't really have any new any friends and so all I had was my Dreamcast um, <laughs> and I was so stressed out because I was like oh man they're not going to release Shenmue 2 and then I found out I could import it and that was just like the best the best year of, of uh of high school because <laughs> I had my Shenmue too, but I just, I really grew to love the packaging. It's simple. Um, and I thought you just like, I've seen pictures too. People have been posting those celebratory pictures and seeing the uh, complete in box console with the arcade, with the controller and with the games. Yeah. It, just, it looks really nice. It looks uh, classy. Yeah. I love how all the um, controllers and accessory uh, boxes have got that same white and blue with the big font on them. I've always liked that look. Yeah. I'd say it's probably one of my favorite um, kind of like complete packages outside of the uh, the white um, Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah I don't know, um, Barry. In in the US, did you get the? Um, you didn't get the Dreamcast gun, did you? The official one. That's yeah, yeah, Columbine. The Columbine shootings. In fact, mm. a lot of um, American tragedies impacted the Dreamcast. The mm. Columbine shootings caused them to. It was interesting. They, I believe, Confidential Mission was coming out. And yeah. they, you, they, they released the game, but they didn't release the gun. And you could play the game with the unofficial gun, but yeah. if you try to use the official imported was, gun, it yeah, it was work. House of the Dead, wasn't it? Well, it yeah, might have been House yeah, of the yeah. Dead as well. Yeah, it was. House my of the Dead. my original question was going to be because um, in the UK uh, we got the it was the House of the Dead and the gun pack together, mm. and you got the, the 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 main box which just said Dreamcast gun. In, this, in, this, in the traditional kind of blue and white packaging, but then you also got this kind of uh, cardboard sleeve that went over that yeah, and had all the parts of the two artwork on it, which looked really cool. And, really um, nice. Yeah, that's obviously something that you, you wouldn't have got in the in the US. And uh, I just wondered if you'd seen that. No, I've, I haven't seen the UK one. The Dreamcast gun I have is actually the House of the Dead two box, right? The one from Japan. Okay. Um, I think it's very similar, actually. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I think once you've got the sleeve from the top, it's pretty much the same yeah but yeah. it's um yeah it was a it was a shame that they um i mean obviously it was like a shame that columbine happened but <laughs> i mean just yeah. looking just back as i know right like look at me like god damn it no but i i <laughs> i don't i don't think sega should have done that i think it was kind of a a weird decision i think they were just too afraid to relive that night trap um thing so they just they played it way too safe because Confidential yeah. Mission and House of the Dead 2, they're shooting zombies and playing James Bond. I mean, it's not hurting anyone. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. and, and, and to go along with that, I mean, you, you don't have to look at what other companies were doing at the same time. They they weren't saying, oh, we're not going to release any any games with guns in it and we're not going to no. stop. You know I mean? Time Crisis was still coming out and other yeah, gun games. Exactly. So, I mean. Yeah. Mm. And mm. To be to be honest, the Dreamcast gun is the least looking gun I I own for a gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks nothing like a gun. <laughs> In fact, the light <laughs> phaser looks one. more the light phaser yeah. looks more like a gun than the Dreamcast gun looks like a gun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in yeah, Brazil, a guy perfect. didn't he get into a police standoff with a, a master system? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that was the zapper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I think he had a Mars system gun. I think it was in Brazil or Mexico or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah, in Brazil. Something like that. Yeah, because you know how big Brazil is with Mars system. Yeah. <laughs> it Using was crazy. Guns, you know. <laughs> and the other one is, and actually, um, 
it, it being 9-11, 9-11 was the reason Propeller Arena wasn't released. So, yeah. 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 Why they couldn't have just deleted the city level, I don't know. But, yeah. I don't know, and I, I'm surprised that it, they still haven't released it to, like, XBLA. No, I'm, I'm surprised and all. I'm really shocked. They've, just, they've literally just stamped that game out because it was complete and all, Yeah. You know, ready. Just say it's the, the Dreamcast game you've never played, and people yeah. would buy that thing. And I don't yeah. think anyone would raise a snake. They'd be like, all no, right, well, 9-11's right. passed, and... And yeah. to be honest, I mean, if you do play it, I mean, I've got I've got a, um, a bootleg version of it. I mean, and when you do play it, there's there's very little imagery that you would actually associate with 9/11, other than the fact there's no. planes. I mean, there's no airline. And there's a city level. Yeah, I the, think that the, was it. There was a city exactly. level. I think that was it. Yeah. <laughs> People were pretty fired after 9/11, so I'm pretty sure there would have been a lot of Fox News stories about how Sega is trying to recreate yeah, memories. Yeah, that's what they were trying to avoid. Yeah, mm. they obviously didn't want that to happen. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this as well, but uh, it's a slight, slightly different subject. But I recently saw the uh, the Spider-Man promo where he oh. puts a web between the twin towers. Yeah, and that was oh, kind of really? cool. Yeah, that that, that oh. was quite, that's quite topical as well at the time. Yeah. They pulled that one quite quickly. Yeah, there was a really recent one for that Ninja Turtles movie as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, we actually had a release date of the same day as you know nine eleven, and then it had them sort of falling down from an exploding skyscraper. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I can understand, like I said, after Night Trap, why they did what they did. But when you look back as yeah. a gamer, you're just like, God damn. Like, yeah. what really bothered me was the fact that they were so smart that they said, you know what, those importing bastards, let's lock it out. So when they try to use their <laughs> gun, they have to yeah. use the, the shitty uh, uh, Mad Cat's gun or whatever the hell it was. Why yeah. didn't they have just done what they did with the Saturn game, the Saturn uh, light gun? Because in Japan it was black, but when they released it over here, it was just bright blue. And they were yeah. like, see, see, it's obviously a toy now because it's bright blue. They should have just done that, just made it all bright blue. <laughs> yeah, red over and, put big neon lights on saying it this is a toy and yes (laughs) i actually had another question for both of you guys um what do you guys think is the difference between the u.s dreamcast scene and the uk dreamcast scene like as people that bought the console like differences you saw like the marketplace good question question. yeah (laughs) let me think um i think um Certainly at the time when the Dreamcast was still current, um, the lack of a, a decent sort of soccer game uh, had a big oh, yeah. uh, had a big impact on sales in, in this country, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I know in, in, in the United States, you've got some really, really good high-quality um, NFL games, mm. uh, the NFL 2K series, for example, whereas yeah. in the UK where so- soccer is, is a lot bigger than it is over in the, the United States, um, we didn't really yeah. get anything of that quality. Nah. Uh, I think that really hurt the... The, they they tried to revive the um, Sega Worldwide Soccer franchise, didn't they? Which was really good on the Saturn, but for some reason it wasn't as good like on Dreamcast. I didn't think it was anyway. No, I mean the Dreamcast What's versions that? were basically just World League Soccer, but rebadged. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Saturn versions, it, yeah. yeah, the Saturn games were original Saturn games, you know, mm. by Sega Sports. Yeah, I think they were technically like PlayStation ports in a way. Mm. Yeah, like the the ones we got on the Dreamcast. But yeah, that I think you're right. That did, that definitely made a difference. I mean, I think they tried to compensate by sponsoring like Arsenal, didn't they? And yeah, like the yeah, they did. logo on everything. But I think they kind of probably wasted the money mm. <laughs> as well. Their mar- I think most of their marketing uh, money went into that. 
because it wasn't just Arsenal either. I think it was a Spanish team and a German team and a couple other European teams that all had Sega branding for a while. And yeah, they did, yeah. It didn't really help all that much mm. because there were no football games or no good ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. was, was there a lot of sport? So, like over here, though, we had the all the 2K games and NFL mm. was the big leading one. Um, yeah. It really felt like a sports console. Like, you know, yeah. like... I'm not into sports, I'm not into sports games, but as a kid, when I saw, like, people going, oh, yeah, Dreamcast is awesome, I was like, yeah, it is, and they're like, I'm like, why? And they're like, sports games, I'm like, all right, I can take that, as long as you're on the Same with the the, uh, Mega Drive, wasn't it, or the Genesis for you? It was very much, most people associated it as the sports console, even though Mm -hmm. you could could get the same EA sports games on the SNES, but they were generally considered Mega Drive. Yeah, I mean, we even had a Sega Sports branded Dreamcast, so I'd... I yeah, definitely say the yeah. The sports culture is definitely different. Um, mm. Oh, absolutely. Outside of the 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 football games, the um, that you had over there, um, soccer. Uh, mm. But um, how about as the as collectors? Like, uh, is there a strong collecting scene? Is it easy to find Dreamcast games? It's. I'd say it's easy to find some certain Dreamcast games. There are some which yeah. are like like you'll find them in secondhand shops, really, really cheap. You know, yeah. things like uh, the launch titles, like Super Monaco Grand Prix, um, yeah. things like WWF Attitude. These are the yeah. games that you will constantly <laughs> see over and over again. Um, yeah. I think the, see, the 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 thing with the scene in the UK, with not just the Dreamcast but with every type of console, is that PAL systems are kind of frowned upon. They're always seen as mm. inferior. Even yeah. though it's the standard in this country, everybody is you're constantly getting rammed down your throat that NTSC is is best. Yeah. And that kind of it sends reverberations I think, out. I think the Dreamcast was the first console to sort of eradicate that because it was the first one that could actually do 60 hertz out of the box. So it and, didn't have the speed issue or the border issue. So This is true, yeah, but I mean, I still think there is this kind of hardcore um, idea within collecting in just in gaming yeah. in general that says that anything that is PAL is rubbish and uh, you need to get the NTSC or, you know, you For or me, versions. The reason I collect mainly Japanese games or American games where I can is because PAL games are just so much more expensive. Like, mm. especially on, like, the Sega Saturn, the Super Nintendo, uh, even the Mega Drive now. Like, PAL games have just gotten ridiculous on most... Not so much on Dreamcast, but, like, on Saturn and Mega Drive. For some reason, they just cost, like, five times more than, say, getting a Japanese copy of a game. Mm, so, yeah. for me, that's the main reason why I collect NTSC. More yeah. so. I mean, I do like a lot of the PAL editions, like the Saturn PAL editions are really nice, but like, yeah, it's just the price difference for me. I think there was a period. Sorry, sorry, Barry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that there was a period where after the PS2 came out and that the Dreamcast was kind of in like slow decline, the the games and the consoles were worth absolutely nothing. Yeah. And up until about I'd say about maybe three or four years ago, it was still the same. You could yeah. Second-hand Dreamcast for ten for ten pounds and games mm-hmm. for a couple of pounds, but yeah. now because retro is getting is becoming such a big thing. Dreamcast yeah. games are slowly rising in value and, and yeah. in price, uh, and it's becoming a it's becoming a bit of an issue for me at least. Um, oh, retro collection is getting ridiculous here now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like with Dreamcast, I've, I, I think I was quite lucky. I managed to get most of the games I wanted to get when they were cheap. Yeah, and now there's only a small handful of games I want to get, like a Canon. Was it Canon Spike? Mm-hmm. Canon Spike. That's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's just a very few. I mean, I could have got that back in the day, and I think I might, I must have just missed out on it or something. I, could, I probably could have got it for like fifteen quid, but I missed it, and, and now it's worth a fortune. That actually was something I want to ask you guys. So, are there UK specific games or UK release games that you are really hunting down that have just become incredibly rare? Um, I wouldn't say not specifically hunting down. I'm aware of them, but I won't pay those yeah. prices. There are certain games that, that are stupidly expensive. Things like Evolution Two. Yeah, um, that is just ridiculous. There's one called Taxi Two. Just get the American out. one; it's so much cheaper. It's like twenty, thirty dollars, yeah. and to me, that's expensive. Yeah, for yeah I agree. it's much more than that. Yeah, and there's, there's a um, game called Moho, isn't there? I don't yeah. know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> I've, yeah, you, I've looked at gameplay, and I, I still don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch an hour of gameplay and still not understand what that game is. It's just a bunch of things with balls for legs rolling <laughs> around hills or something. I don't. There are certain games which are quite sought after, but only because they were released in the UK only. There's one one particular game, which is called yeah. Giant Killers, which is a, uh, is a, yeah. soccer, a soccer management I, game. I love which, that. I love that it's called Giant Killers. Why is it called Giant Killers? Like, <laughs> there's all awesome things. Game. It's a football management simulator. <laughs> well, I mean, is it called Giant Killers? I was picturing Attack on Titan for Dreamcast. Yeah, exactly. It sounds so cool, and then you see what it is, and you're like, oh. <laughs> well, giant, giant Killers is a term used for when a lower league team beats a like a maybe a Premier League team. Uh, uh, they're known as a giant killer. So it's yeah, kind of I'm not a football fan, so I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to watch my United versus QPR on Sunday, so I'm I'm a pretty big football fan, soccer fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that that's one in particular that's quite sort of sought after because it was only released uh, in the UK. I didn't know that was sought after because I remember that being really cheap back in the day. But yeah, it's not the best yeah. game to be honest. I mean, I've I've yeah. got a disc only copy and it's pretty. It's pretty bad. It's not like, championship kind of basic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, from yeah. What I've seen. I think there was like a demo for it at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about Evil happened. Twin? Yeah, I mean, oh, did yeah. that was that, that one that came out here? Did it not? No. Oh, no, no, that was power only. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a very sort of French feel about it. It's got like mm. a, a. I think that game was supposed to come out much earlier than it did, and it just sort of came out. At the, I think it was like one of the last games. Like I it think was. It was. Because, like, um, with the uh, PAL games, all the last games were pretty much all published by this company called Big Ben Interactive. And for some reason, they had really cheap, nasty manuals and covers. I I don't know if you've got any of them, Tom, but... Yeah, I have. I've got Evil Twin. Yeah, I, I used to have um, heavy metal uh, Geomatrix, and like the manual, it was like the artwork was cropped in the corners, all stretched, and just like really cheapo like i mean they were cheap when they came out i think they released them for like 20 pounds retail even stuff like cannon spike was like 20 pounds and um yeah they just had this really cheapo sort of nasty feel it's, to kind of, it's, it's funny you mentioned that yeah. because I was, I was actually looking at um the evil twin box the other day and mm. i was looking at the back of the box and it looks like a color photocopy but it's yeah. the official version yeah. of the game. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just threw them out really cheap. Sort of like I think a, another one that was pal only was um, pal, uh, pal only was Headhunter, which was a really big yeah. game. Yes. Yeah, and I the fact that it never came out in the US is I'm just surprised. Mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's weird because yeah, that's a really weird one for them to not get. I guess they just did a Shenmue 2 and said, oh, well, we've just got to put this out on PS2. And yeah. I presume you got it on PS2. Yeah, Headhunter's yeah. on PS2 and the sequel. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking. Evil Twin's been a game on my list for a while. It's about a hundred bucks mm. now. I see two on eBay for a hundred bucks. Really? So yeah. <laughs> hold on to that. That's another one of them games I could have. I haven't. Could, I've, I've never played that one, so I don't know. Much Barry, about. I'll be honest with you. You're not really missing much. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but think, I won. Um, think Mario. Think Mario 64, but with a quite a dodgy frame rate and some really weird French artwork. Okay. Um, trying, to, trying too hard <laughs> to look like some kind of Tim Burton kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I heard it was like Chucky. He looks yeah. like Chucky. Yeah, yeah it does, right. yeah. I know there's another, um, there's a couple other PAL games. I don't know how rare they are nowadays, but um, like a couple I've got. One's called uh, Stunt GP. It's, uh, oh, it's a, great a game. racing game by, um, yeah, that's by uh, Team 17, the uh, Worms guys. Mm. I think it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I don't I know how... Yeah, I don't know how sought after that is nowadays, but it was really cheap when I got it. And uh, another one is a Pro Pinball Trilogy, which is like mm. a collection of like pinball games. I think it's a PC port or something like that. That's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. But really, there ain't that many like UK exclusives. There's also um, Toy Racer, which was a Toy Commander spin-off, a right. really short one. And that was actually released at retail for £5, and half of it went to charity. <laughs> So that was really cool. It, it was like an online. It actually had online as well. Because a thing about the another thing about the PAL, like the UK Dreamcast scene, is there wasn't as much online stuff. We actually had online cut out of a lot of games, like Out Trigger, um, Unreal Tournament. Yeah, yeah, they just chopped the online out because they just couldn't be bothered here. And um, yeah, um, Toy Racer, the Toy Commander spin-off, actually had online. So I've been playing that online quite a bit. Mm. Choo Choo Rocket was free, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What they did is you had to sign up to Dream Arena, which was our um, Dreamcast online server thing, basically. And you just basically put your name in and address, and then they just sent you it. And that's why it's now one of the most common games over here on the Dreamcast. <laughs> I love that they did that, though. I mean, like that was such a brilliant way to introduce online play, even if they didn't do much else with it over here. But... George, what would you say for for us? What would you say the rare games are? Rare games for the Dreamcast in the U.S. Yeah, probably like the. I don't. For some reason, I've noticed that Power Stone games have like went up in price. Uh, really? Marvel yeah. vs. Capcom Two, weird stuff yeah. like that. Like stuff like uh, Project I Justice. Like, I know that is. Copies. <laughs> like, yeah. Anything from Capcom is pretty much expensive. Um, yeah. Uh, Same yeah. over here, I think, actually. Capcom, RPGs, Skies of Arcadia yeah. goes for a lot. It's funny. People look at my mm. collection and they go, holy crap, you have Sonic Adventure 2? And I'm like, yeah, everyone does. They're like, oh, that's expensive. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, the power one, I think, is getting more expensive now as well. Um, the thing with uh, Skies of Arcadia, I ended up getting the American version because for some reason the power one doesn't have VGA compatibility. Huh. That's true. I'm no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Not sure why. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is, but yeah, I ended up having to grab an American copy. Back again, back when I think it was cheaper than it is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering too. Is there a game, and not just UK specific, but like released specifically to the UK? But um, is there a game over there that you guys feel doesn't get attention in other territories? Or do you think with the internet being what it is, we've all kind of started to share the same experiences? Um, I think one game for me that doesn't really get a lot of well, doesn't get a lot of positive uh, press in other territories would be uh, the Limon 24-hour game. 
Oh, I think we yes. call it Test Drive, Test Drive yeah. Le Mans 24 Hours. That's yes. an amazing game. It's so good. Um, I think the best races on the system, easy. I think it's because it's such a European-centric uh, kind yeah. of race, uh, it doesn't really get a lot of exposure. Same, with the, even... uh, same with the Formula One games on the Dreamcast. There was the two that were done by um, Video System. Those were absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah, Formula One World um, Grand Prix 1 and 2. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. Really good games. Mm. Again, it's because of the sport. Like That's the kind of racing thing that's not really a big American thing as so much. So, Yeah. Well, good news for um, American fans. Test Drive Le Mans, uh, 24 hours, there's an eBay auction. This guy has, like, a case of them. He has um, – it says how many – he says more than 10 available, 111 sold, uh, 4 95 each plus $4 shipping. So for 9 bucks, you can get brand new. It's, it's, not, it's not Barry, is it? It's not Barry, Barry the Nomad as the seller? It's not me. No. <laughs> good news. Go buy them now. Guys, nah, listen, get now. <laughs> Barry, let's buy them all. Walk into a strip club and just make it rain. Coffee. <laughs> I think oh, I saw kidding. an auction that was in America for a job lot of 500 VMUs once. Yeah. VMUs yeah. are so cheap online, but you go into a used store and they're like, oh, yeah, VMU with no cap and it's really dirty, that's $15. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you can buy these like new for that. 10 bucks. Yeah. Is it just me or does the VMU like attract dust in like the little crevices and you can never take it out? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, where the. Uh... The sort of like the cartridge part of it is, yeah. I think I know what you mean. I think all Sega consoles, outside of the Dreamcast, I think they all have these little ridges that you just you can't get the mm. dust out. The, oh, yeah. the Mega Drive, the Mega Drive, yeah. Sega Saturn has those ridges around the the, side, the outside of the CD tray, and there's just so yeah. dirt and dust and stuff. You have to get a pin or something and get it all out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask, uh, in America, we use, well, I mean, we have our ways of acquiring, it's I guess, America. retro games for cheap prices. Where do you guys usually shop for retro games in the UK? Well, uh, in the UK, there's a massive scene for what's called car boot sales. Um, mm. I guess you'd call them yard sales in America, but basically it's where people, on a, usually on a Sunday morning, will drive to like a, a car park or a market area and they will set up a stall and or all the stuff. Farm that, Hill, generally. Yeah, farm Hill up, uh, covered in sheep poo. <laughs> yeah, open up the back of their car and then just sell things out of the back of the car that they don't any longer want. Yeah. Um, we we and, call it swap meets over here. So, yeah, same kind of thing. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, that's a that's a good place to go. But I think as Used going to back be. to what we, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say going back to what I was saying earlier on about retro gaming going quite big. I think a lot of people now just kind of go on eBay and go, "Ooh, this is worth fifty quid." Yeah, or, or, you know, I'll triple and, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what they do. You um, get all these people that think they know what they're talking about, and they just try to sell things for more than they are on eBay. You think you adventure? And they they walk around at like four in the morning when everyone very first gets to some of these things, grabs everything that all these people that don't know what they're worth is worth, and then just sell it for triple. So so that taken into consideration, I mean, I've done a lot of my recent purchasing on that old fail-safe eBay. Yeah. Also, um, I do go to quite a lot of uh, retro gaming events. So, mm. I mean, you do get a lot of traders who know the industry and, and know that you're a gamer as well, and they'll sell you things quite cheap. Um, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been to more of those. Mm. Yeah, I haven't been to many of those. Most of the time when I go to conventions and stuff, it's the same kind of guys that just put stuff for board and they're even worse. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, over here, I think, I mean, George does this too. You just, you, uh, you take a PlayStation 2 game and you, you break the disc and you put it under your pillow and the next day, Segata Sanchiro brings you new Sega games. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great idea. No, yeah. Don't tell you, everybody our secrets. He'll, he'll whisper <laughs> into your ear, Segata Sanchiro. And then he'll, <laughs> you wake up and it's there. It's amazing. So, so what you saying is you just like lose a foot or something. Yeah. <laughs> He breaks your legs and then gives you Sega games. Well, he breaks your ankles. Like us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And your neck. He's a, he's a good man. <laughs> and your neck. Yeah. Uh, looking, looking because the... you were too busy sleeping to play Sega Saturn, so. Yeah, well, that was the thing. It was He was like, well, I'm glad that you've left me this offering, but what the hell are you doing in bed? You should go play Sega Saturn. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, uh, now that uh, we have a lot of indie games coming out for the Dreamcast, um, mm. are there any that have been announced that haven't released yet that you guys are most excited for? Uh, personally, I would say Hypertension, oh, okay. which is the um, first-person shoot-em-up. Yep. Uh, I quite like the look of that. I mean, there was the recent, uh, recently announced uh, Elysian Shadows, mm. which looks like a really nice 2D uh, RPG with uh, yeah. modern elements. Um, yeah. yeah, those two. Yeah. What about yourself, Aaron? Um, the one they they announced just the other day, uh, Slave, was it? I think it was. Oh yeah, yesterday, yeah. wasn't it? I saw your, saw your post on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was actually a game I've been following for quite a while, about a year, because the guy that uh, designed it, he was an animator I used to follow ages ago, and I've known him for well, sort of known him for years. And yeah, I've been following this game. He just started designing it about a year or so ago. I presume it was just going to be like a PC game. And then all of a sudden, Dreamcast version, I was like, what? <laughs> really? Uh, Out of nowhere? Like, he never mentioned before it was going to be for consoles or anything. He just said, yeah, I'm just making this game for fun. And now all of a sudden, it's a Dreamcast indie game. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say it's exciting to have more non... Like, I love the shoot-em-ups, but it's great to have more non-shoot-em-ups mm. coming out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a massive shmup fan, but yeah, it does get a bit, like, samey, especially bloody when they just make the same game and change the graphics slightly. You have something to say about ducks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, about, what about you guys? And what, what games are you looking forward to? Uh, myself, I'm looking forward to um, Pure Solar. Um, yeah, same. I have, I have it on Genesis. I haven't actually ordered it, but I'm yeah. hoping that maybe... I missed out on it on, uh, Gen- on Mega Drive, so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it for the first time on Dreamcast. I like that. They've given you the option to switch between the soundtracks and the uh, graphics and the graphic. as well. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I'm also yeah. I'm interested, because I was a backer at the $49 level for Elysian Shadows. I'm, uh, oh, okay. we, we talked to them. They're, they're an interesting group. I mean, they know what they're doing, but they yeah. have a lot, a lot of... Uh, George, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> a lot of... Um, a lot of what? Ambition? Ambition, yeah. So yeah. Um, if they can – I I hesitate to, to say that they can deliver on all of that, but if they can deliver on half of it, I think it will mm-hmm. be a uh, success. It's just, you know, they were saying like, oh, well, maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. And I'm like, wait, well, all these things are technically possible, so if you guys can pull it off, you could be, you know, the first Dreamcast game to have DLC or to have yeah, – not DLC, yeah. but, you know, first indie Dreamcast. Like I, I think one of the things we uh, talked about in the last podcast was uh, they said that they could deliver online gaming on the Dreamcast, but, like – is it really worth it considering that nobody has 56k modem and very few people have a DSL modem? Yeah. Another thing we never got that you got, bloody broadband adapter. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. never got that. 
To be fair, those go for about 150, 200 bucks now. I never got it. Yeah, so it's it's not like everybody can get online on the Dreamcast. So was is it really worth it to program something that nobody might use anymore? Uh, like, I have to say, Barry, I'm impressed that you paid forty nine dollars. I am, you know, I paid a, I paid five dollars, and I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I figured, you know, the Night Trap Kickstarter wasn't going through, um, so. Yeah. I'd shift those monies elsewhere, and yeah, I did. I do feel like I got burned on the Redux. It did deliver on the I game, did it, yeah. But the, I've, mm. I haven't replayed it. I, I was just really, I was just really disappointed that it was just the same game. Like yeah. everything they showed, and the way the trailers pretty much just lied about the graphics. Yeah. Just, they were they were clearly just using a PC build, and then they just dropped the resolution, but never mentioned it to anyone. And like they're still trying to act as if that's not a problem and like yeah now they're they're pushing really dodgy they're pushing 1.5 and they're like hey win 1.5 it's uh 1.1 wasn't it yeah (laughs) 1.1 and then there's that uh they're doing like a neo geo sort of port of it with a completely different name as well i think engine dev team's doing a version of it for the neo geo i don't think that's going to come out on dreamcast though so it doesn't really matter but if it did that would be like the this version of it, being... and I'd I'd consider it one of the lesser games. Mm. games. I love uh, NG Dev Teams. Uh, oh yeah, Fast Striker, Gunlord, and the most recent one, Neo XYX. They're stunning. They're really yeah. good. Like, you know, I love. If we're saying our favorite games of the past indie Dreamcast games, uh, Wind and Water Puzzle Battles was just fantastic. Yes. Yes, I think that one's extremely underrated, actually. I think people didn't give that the dues it deserved. That had so much content in it. Like, what about Rush, Rush Rally Racing? That one's very good, that too. too. That's really good. Mm. But, like, Wind those... Warrior in particular, like, that had so much content in it. Like, I still haven't actually fully beaten it because it just got so hard at one point. But like, just the depth of that like puzzle system is just ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. Like, yeah, I in mean... Terms when... of that, yeah. Wind and Water it was uh it was more it felt more like a commercial release than Wetrix did. I felt yeah. Wetrix feels like an indie <laughs> game by comparison. Yeah. I I never got on with that game. I didn't get it. Uh, but, it's not worth getting unless you're to be honest, I actually think Wind and Water is probably the best puzzle game on the Dreamcast, like even well, I yeah, even I mean, like the Piopio games are brilliant on it, but like I just think Wind of Water had so much more content, so much personality squeezed into it, like all the story mode, all the in jokes, and to be honest, my my um, experience, really my experience yeah. with that game is just watching your videos. To be honest, Aaron, so uh, I'll take <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, the other thing with that game is I don't know how easy it is to find now, but that game was actually really cheap for the longest time. Like when it first came out, it was about forty pounds, but then it dropped to about fifteen pounds at one point, and mm-hmm. for that money, it's actually still. Didn't you uh, get your app? Didn't you get your little character in the game? Because you picked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you like just paid in a little extra and then uh, sent them a photo. <laughs> so I sent them a photo of me with a prop sombrero i had on and they put that in the game yeah they made a little sprite and you put in a code like they give you a secret code and you put it in on your uh stat screen and then it pops up with your sprite well this isn't my ebay auction or anything but on amazon wind and water puzzle battles um is forty dollars with two dollars shipping uh at the moment it's from a third party guy who's told us that name barry (laughs) Don't they have, like, a free PC version or something? 
Um, no, you're thinking of uh, the canoe, the neo, the game park. Yeah, they ported okay. it to a few like uh, indie, like handheld, you know, like homebrew ones. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's a fantastic game. Um, I guess before we wrap up, uh, do you guys want to talk a little bit about um, your efforts on the talk about the Dreamcast Junkyard, Tom Ken, and uh, Retro Collect? Mm-hmm. If you want to go around plugging, I guess we call it, like if we're on a talk show. Oh, right, okay. You're working on any projects? No, I mean, do you want me to, to say a little bit about how it got started and all that kind of thing? Or? That would be great, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the Dreamcast Junkyard, obviously, um, that started in 2005 um, yeah. when I re-bought uh, a Dreamcast, which I saw cheap in a second-hand shop, and I thought to myself, maybe I should start an online catalogue, like cataloguing what I bought for my Dreamcast, and then obviously it kind of went away from just the things that I'd bought. And then I started to write these weird and sort of off-the-wall articles and <laughs> kind of got quite a few people interested just through looking on Google, I would imagine. And then yeah, I can't even remember how I actually found it now, to be yeah, honest. Just stumbled um, on it, like the blog. Yeah. And then it was That's kind of... the writing. A couple of right. thanks. Uh, a couple of months after it began, I mean, obviously, Aaron, you got involved, and uh, then it just kind of snowballed really from there. We've had yeah, various yeah. writers who have come and gone, and then obviously yourself, Barry, you got involved. Um, and I'm just really kind of impressed, really, of, into like, how how large it's got, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. So I mean, you can tell even just by the since we uh, since you set up the Facebook group, how popular. Dreamcast Junkyard still is. It's constantly getting likes all the time, and yeah. uh, notice it's, it's still got a big sort of following in a way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not all all down to my own work. Obviously, yourself, Aaron, and Barry as well um, mm. produce a lot of you know great content. And uh, I'll step it up too. I promise. <laughs> oh no, no, not at all. I mean, I know you've got your uh, Sega Bits. Obviously, is a massively uh, popular and uh, successful site as well. So I mean, mm. oh thanks. You know, Massive kudos to you for doing that. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's a it started as a what's the, what's the word a um, oh uh, like a just a sure a, a blog a, like a like personal a, yeah, blog like a personal yeah exactly yeah. it started as a personal yeah. blog and it kind of blossomed into what it is today. But with the input of you know a lot of other talented individuals, so uh, mm. thank you as well. Thanks for thanks for making it. And did, I always wanted, does the Dreamcast Junkyard, did that come before or after the Saturn Junkyard? Oh, all the other Junkyards came afterwards. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. And it's also, it's uh, what what was it listed as one of the 100 most influential um yeah, um, yeah, that the way that, that absolutely about... flabbergasted me. That <laughs> I didn't even know what it was at first. I was like, "Hang on, what is what? Is this yeah. a joke?" The, the way that came about was um, I was looking at the Brit- the British Museum's um, website, and they were basically mm. asking people to nominate websites that were of a you know had a British flavour and kind of captured. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm like be sort of a snapshot of, yeah. Yeah, of British life on the internet, and because we at the time we were quite heavily just talking about pal things and I was talking about what I'd go up to at work and, you know, um, which beers I'd drunk at a pub and how that kind of got, you know, <laughs> intertwined into buying Dreamcast games. Mm. Um, I thought, well, that's quite interesting because, you know, people might not necessarily associate a Dreamcast blog with 
you know, the drinking habits of the person who's writing about Dreamcast games. So <laughs> that might be quite, you know, interesting. And I just thought, right, I'll, I'll nominate it myself, see if they accept it. And then a couple of weeks later, I had an email back from the curate, one of the curators at the, um, sorry, the curators at the British Library who said that they'd read the site and they really liked it. And then that they <laughs> accept it onto the uh, web archive. So I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that happens. It's crazy. Yeah. I like think all things. Yeah, and I think too. Um, I think it was also nominated by another person. I was talking to the uh, head of Sonic Retro, oh, um, and she said that she she thinks a friend of hers in the UK also nominated it because I I told her about that. And she was like, I think, oh, I, I think I know. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah. But yeah, it said blog dedicated to the community of gamers who continue to play the Dreamcast games mm. despite the fact they were officially discontinued in 2002. It makes us it makes us sound yeah. pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> if blog dedicated, no, we be talking about spine cards and yeah, did you know they have spine cards on the and print quality I, of I like remember, um, releases and stuff? Yeah, not, do you, um, not sad in the slightest. <laughs> do, do you guys know of a website called Games Radar in the yes. US? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They did um they did a, uh, a feature on the Dreamcast some time ago and they mentioned the Dreamcast Junkyard and they yeah, described yeah. us as a, a group of militant Dreamcast fans or mili- <laughs> no, mili- yeah. militant Dreamcast zealots I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I still remember the time that one of my really early Dreamcast Junkyard videos got linked on a UK Resistance. That was kind of special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love that side. Oh, I loved that and just like some of the some of the best insults I've ever heard in the comment section. Like, so creative. <laughs> I loved it. I, I was actually going to ask you guys what you guys thought about the UK Resistance, because that's the first, like, Sega website I've ever read. I loved like, that website. That was yeah, actually a bit of a, quite an influence on me. <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, I still remember printing off a bunch of the gags they put on there and, like, having them in scrapbooks and stuff when I was in high school. Do you remember the, um, the Blue Sky in Gaming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was trying to get, you know, move That's away from all this Gears of War type gaming uh, environments where everything's sort of dark and dingy. Bring back yeah. blue skies and fun. <laughs> yeah, still relevant now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barry, you ever uh, read the UK Resistance? I used to, yeah. In fact, one day I, I just went through their whole archive until I hit the... Uh... The last article. <laughs> I'm I'm really surprised that you guys even sort of know what that is. I'm I'm quite impressed. It's it got around. I think the blue skies and gaming probably helped. Uh, yeah, was the reason. But um, some of it was so confu- so baffling. Like when they were talking about when Shenmue Two came out in uh, Japan and they were comparing it to Water Torture or something. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah. yeah, I'll say that um, uh, just on the Dreamcast Junkyard. Um, I remember. The first time I think I came across it was when Aaron was in the chat room. I, I kind of checked it now and again, but then you guys reported on the I Have a Dreamcast stream in 2009. Oh, yeah, yeah. The 24-hour stream where uh, they mm. played music and they sold a CD. I, I used yeah. the songs on that a lot. But I think you were in the chat room, and I was like, holy crap, this is that guy who writes for the junkyard. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a little, like, uh, set some stars in my eyes, and I was like, oh, look. It's Aaron. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> Which is kind of funny looking back now. Because <laughs> wow. I know, I mean, not to be ageist, but I'm a little older than you two, so I'm <laughs> just thinking, like, 
Hello, little, little young man. <laughs> I, I enjoy your work, you know. <laughs> just looking back, I'm glad. Yeah, we're not we're not that different in age. I think it's a few years apart, but still, it's just kind of funny. I, I thought of you as I thought so highly of you, and now look at me. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I still do. <laughs> you, you said it round quite well, there, Barry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just it's amazing to see what. Uh, what has become of the Dreamcast junkyard. And I'm, I'm really glad to see the new people joining yeah. up and they're, they're really mm. writing. They're making me. Yeah, it's really yeah. active again. Like so many articles popping up lately. Is, yeah. it's really, really good. I think it's yeah. time for a resurgence. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we did have a lull for a bit. Um, yeah. I, I kind of couldn't write cause I was away. Like, cause I was in the Navy for a bit and mm. I was yeah. away from a computer for a long time. So, uh, I couldn't do a lot, but, um, we were all doing our own kind of things. Yeah. Hits and uh, Aaron, yeah. you want to talk a little bit about um, uh, Lucky Hit? Yeah, um, this came along from uh, just a couple of, like local friends who wanted to do a uh, wanted to do videos about gaming for years, and at first it was going to be called like Angry Gamers. And it was, I think everyone misinterpreted it as like, oh, it's another angry nerd thing. But really, it was more just to do with, it was going to be almost like a sitcom, where it's more about just people that are gamers that are also just angry. Mm. Not at the games so much, just, I don't know, but that kind of fell through. And then, like, we're, I've been chatting with them for a while, and they were trying to think right, about rebooting it. And um, they were thinking, they said to me, oh, let's try and figure some names. And I, I basically filled a whole sort of page of names. And I was thinking, well, I know uh, Tom, uh, Murray Curry's favourite game is Shenmue. So I started thinking of random Shenmue references. And Lucky Hit was one of them. And that just stood out to everyone. Like, that's the mm. name we're going to go with. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great name. It is. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah it's been kind of really slow going but like we're trying to sort of build up our content and try and it's yeah it's taken a bit of a while to try and you know get everything going but like we are starting to make some progress yeah. i think like getting out there with that like because we're not like trying to specialize on any particular kind of gaming and we're not even strictly trying to specialize on gaming i mean it's half a gaming channel and half a comedy channel really that's mm -hmm. what we're kind of going for i mean some of the stuff we haven't like got out there yet that we're still planning includes like we're going to start doing uh, music on it as well we're going to start doing music videos like original songs that tom and phil wrote and uh, some of them are game related some of them are not and uh, yeah, we're just trying to go with all this kind of like original content and at the same time doing like events and reviews and all that kind of stuff as well. But sort of the comedy is kind of more the side of it that we want to focus on a bit. And cool. uh, yeah, I've actually got a few, um, I've even got like a little animated series some sort of penning at the moment that I don't know if I'm ever going to get around to, <laughs> but hopefully I will. And it's actually sort of Sega related. So yeah. Interesting. Cool, cool. We'll uh, keep our eyes open, and you know, like, uh, if anything uh, Lucky Hit Sega related comes through, we'll definitely share it on the on Sega Bits. Yeah, so. well, I can let you, I can let you know that uh, Tom and Phil have been doing a sort of let's play of Shenmue at the moment. They've been filming, they're like recording that right now, and it's been going really well. And okay. uh, me and Stacey, um, I don't know if you saw my uh, Gagger and Cherry fact yes. about him series. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I've been I've been working on the second season of that. 
and the first game that is going to be on it, in fact, it's going to end up being a weekly thing because it's going to be so many parts, is uh, Seaman. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So we've got that in the works. And there's a, uh, we haven't recorded any other Sega games for that yet. It's mostly been Amiga stuff because not many people do, like, sort of Let's Plays of Amiga games because it's kind of a European thing. And there's a lot of weird games on that system, weird, yeah. crappy games. And, um, yeah, we do want to do a few more Sega games but like yeah we're just trying to find all the weirdest stuff we can really <laughs> yeah youtube's a hard nut to crack i mean yeah definitely we yeah. uh we experience that too sometimes something just breaks out and you're like how the hell did that get out there yeah exactly yeah i'm just I was, I'm... Really, I was really surprised how well that silent hill video we did when like the one where we sort of like covered the uh the dog ending from silent hill 2 yeah we did like we recorded my girlfriend's dog barking, and then just, she edited it into that to go with that song, and then we just filmed a lot of dumb shit with it, <laughs> threw that out, and now it's like one of the most popular videos on there. It's wild, yeah. The best thing is I've never actually played Silent Hill. Oh. <laughs> so all these people were like, "Wow, you must be a really big fan of like, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Nice. Well, we're definitely all busy then, it sounds like. George, you got the Segabits thing going on, right? I've never heard of this website. Sounds crappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like we're running to the end of the show, but um, uh, George, is there any any final... I guess let's go around and let's all have our, our final say about the Dreamcast on its 15th anniversary. Starting with Aaron. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was actually just playing the Dreamcast just before we started, and it started doing the reset thing again. There you go. Uh, yeah. It's dying. Uh, I, I managed to fix it again. Okay. In the old, popping it out, wiggling and cleaning the little pins again. But, yeah, the Dreamcast is still probably quite easily, maybe very close very close to the Mega Drive. It's easily my like, favourite system ever still, like... I still don't think anyone's ever designed a console that looks as good as the Dreamcast. I think its design is just perfect. Like, and um, you know, it's just so much about the system I still love. I think it because it was like in my teen years when it came out and when I grew up on it, like in my teen years, it sort of melded what I like game-wise. Like, pretty much, its library is pretty much the kind of kind the kind of games I really like, like with them arcade games and. Same with the Saturn, really, I suppose, because I did grow up on a Saturn. I was one of those weird kids out of the Saturn instead of a, a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. <Same. However. laughs> and, uh, Tom, what are your final statements? Um, well, uh, my final statements on the Dreamcast, again, it's probably my favourite retro console, if you can call it a retro console at this point. Um the noise of a VMU beeping is uh, something that is very close to my heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when when I do actually die and uh, my machine flatlines, I want it to sound like a Dreamcast VMU beeping. <laughs> uh, it's got some some great memories. And when, and when they're putting your when they're putting your grave into the uh, ground, they can go. <laughs> When they close the lid on the coffin, it makes a big loud clunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a console that, uh, for me. Just it, when it came out and I first saw the graphics, it, it was the I knew that it was next gen. Like you know, it was no no two ways about it. This was the future. 
Obviously, mm. it didn't pan out that way, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the console for me that really heralded that we'd moved on gaming-wise, visually. Yeah, for me, it was like arcades were finally at home because I've always been a bit of an arcade nut because I live right by the seafront where there's loads of arcades, so I always sort of grew up running around the machines there. And yeah, for me, the Dreamcast felt like arcade finally at home. And for me, that's all I needed. I wasn't really that concerned about online play or anything like that. It was more finally having arcade perfect games, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? How about you, George? Um, I have to agree with everything they said. Like, uh, I remember like even the little flaws of the Dreamcast. I remember <laughs> like I remember playing Skies of Arcadia, and right before a battle, you could hear the the little gear moving the lens <laughs> so it was like i would know there's going to be a random battle yeah i could press start and like equip stuff i need to equip um i also i one of the biggest complaints i, I almost like refused to buy dreamcast because of it was the controller i did not like the controller when it came out <laughs> but yeah. the games were so great that i didn't even really care about it after a while and i just I just thought the Sega Saturn controller was like superior. Yeah, definitely. I could agree with that any day. <laughs> so, and I also didn't understand why they didn't put two joysticks when everybody else was doing two joysticks. I mean, analogs kind of. Sony was. Technically, the Dreamcast is actually capable of a second analog stick. Like, it is actually programmed that the Dreamcast can um, sort of know of one. Apparently, the Maracas, like the right Maraca, actually uses that second analog. Mm. Or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because it's it's not it's so fluid. It's not just like A X. Yeah. A. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing, uh, I mean, I, it was a nice multiplayer machine. It still had a lot of the split screen features, like mm. playing Quake Three Arena. Yeah. I played a lot of split screen on that. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. Um. Online. <laughs> it it kind of did suck that you you know like online was not that great. I mean, it was still laggy. I remember playing the NFL 2K1, and uh, it was fun. It was probably the first time I ever was into a sports game, and it was probably because it was a Sega sports game, so that was like my fanboy side. Yeah. But good times. And I, I guess for myself, I'd say, despite growing up with the Genesis and that really being my console, um, the Dreamcast was the one, as Aaron kind of mentioned, that I was old enough to... If for it to really be mine, it wasn't so yeah. much like, Daddy, can I buy a Dreamcast game? Like, I could afford the games. It was really, I was all in, and yeah. I was I was smart enough to get the good games. You know, it wasn't just me buying Lion King, and, uh, <laughs> and that's that. Um, but uh, it, it, and like Tom mentioned, it's it was really ushering us into the future. I can... I, I play a Saturn game now, and I really I see the flaws. I, I can still enjoy a good game, but I'm like, oh man, look at that that fog, look at that pop up. But you play a Dreamcast game, even yeah. now through it looks uh, so good. It looks so good on a VGA. There's I For mean, some reason Dreamcast games look better than Wii games to me. Yeah. I think it's something to do yeah. with the video output. Like mm-hmm. something about that 480p, it just looks so crisp. Like on a LCD, it looks HD almost. And- the it PlayStation is. 2, like all the games had this like weird like texture overlay thing that made that it look really blurry. Ugly. That weird blurriness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I could the, the, my big uh, send off for the Dreamcast on this episode is that it was a it was a console that was ahead of its time, and Sega I think 
future-proofed it so much so that even now, 15 years later, we can play it and appreciate it um, mm. just as much as we did back then, which I think yeah. uh, um, hurt them, but it also helped us as fans, and we can still enjoy the Dreamcast. So um, mm. I guess to uh, close out this episode from myself and George Sagovitz, thanks for listening. And uh, Aaron and Tom, thank you for joining us. Uh, that's yeah, right. That's Joe Gary. Yeah, it was just great talking with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, okay. This is. I'm gonna edit this bit out. But do you remember the um the Shen, British Shenmue video I did and that got a lot of people? Oh mad. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I think this is fake, guys. That doesn't sound British. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like the gag about at all. Yes. <laughs> I was like, all right, love. Like, that was Rio. <laughs> I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. <laughs> I had um, Christopher Lee doing Landy. He was like, well, I believe that we are looking for the that's quite smear. That's quite good, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at I'm, I can do some I can do Christopher Lee that's not really an accent though. 